It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're listening to the Go Birds Pod, a radio.com podcast about your beloved birds. Oh, what's going on, Philadelphia? It was a extremely hot one out there uh, for a lot of Eagles players, for a lot of beat writers, too. As uh, it was probably the most drenched practice I've seen uh, throughout uh, training camp. Actually, training camp's officially over, so I guess we'll say for joint practices. But uh, Elliot Shore Parks mainly watching the offense today. I was watching the defense. E, how's it going, man? Is the uh, the drive home treating you well? Yeah, and I'll say this: one, it was extremely hot out there. Like I'm not a big sweater; I barely sweat. But even I was a, l- a little sweaty out there today. So I thought it was uh, it was the best practice they've had of training camp so far when you factor in the elements when you factor in the fact they're going against the ravens who are one of the best teams in the league although sounds like maybe not a quarterback uh based <laughs> off our, our quick talk but yeah. um i thought it was uh it was a it was a really really good chance to see where this team is at and where was carson wentz in the uh the first team offense at because i know that there was a lot of people kind of chomping at the bit and certainly you had an article today 94 wip dot com slash go birds where you're putting as you should i think there should be a lot of importance for everybody uh that is uh, you know on the first team of of both sides of the ball here you're getting pretty much everything uh that you can possibly give i mean granted this was all semi thud i don't even think everybody was allowed to thud uh even today well, earl, earl earl thomas didn't know that <laughs> oh, okay well what uh, tell thomas me about earl twice. thomas yeah once he uh at the end of a running play he ran up, and, I mean, if it was a thud, it was a very big thud. It sent Jordan Howard to the ground. And then he had another play where he hit someone. And there was another Ravens defender. I couldn't see who it was. I think it might have been Jimmy Smith. Um, a pass to Deshaun came. He kind of, like, like karate chopped right across Deshaun's arm to knock <laughs> in completion. So the Ravens were a very physical, uh, impressive defense. Yeah, the um, uh, I mean, in terms of the other way, I mean, if we want to look at it from that perspective, the Eagles' defense dominated the day. I mean, I, I know that everybody's been saying and everything that we've read about the Ravens, that they run the football a lot and they're going to run the football a lot, and boy, did they. It was. I would, say, I would say for the first couple of series, it's all they were really working on. Um, there's a couple of people that 
uh, have covered their camp over the last couple of weeks, like saying, "Hey, John, it's going to be pretty fun. You're going to see some Veer concepts." And you did. It was it was weird to see. Remember the Titans out on the field. Eagles handled it uh, perfectly. I mean, there was there wasn't an offensive line that looked together um, for the I would say the first hour of practice, and certainly when it came to the red zone, um, uh, the the same kind of thing happened there. I think. Overall, it didn't. This is. I should have been more like Elliot. I wasn't exactly charting everything during uh, red zone drills like I should have been. But uh, very disappointed to hear that. I would approximate one out of fifteen chances uh, that the Ravens' offense actually got in and scored. Um, it seemed like that every time that they kind of tried to go and throw a football, everybody was confused and everybody was co- uh, covered all at the same time. Uh, towards the end of practice, you saw little little windows open up, I, and I keep forgetting like. The, the Ravens don't have a, a great wide receiving core either, but they do have a lot of tight ends with with tight end names. So Mark Andrews, I guess, was the the standout guy uh, on uh, uh, you know when they were and were not in red zone drills. I mean, he was kind of all over the place. I would say length is a big deal when going up against this Ravens squad, and uh, yeah. there 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 isn't a lot of length with the corners. I don't know how Sidney Jones keeps ending up on a. Uh, on a tight end, and I, I couldn't tell if they were running like 13 or 14 personnel at some point because they have so many damn tight ends, but uh, he was the only victim in the red zone moving forward. Otherwise, I thought everybody was pretty, pretty, pretty physical. So what did, I, uh, did uh, from a from a team perspective, did Ronald Darby or Nigel Bradham get team reps today in 11 on 11? So I uh, didn't see Darby in 11s, but did see him in 7s, and he was starting okay. next to Razul Douglas, which I thought was pretty uh, interesting. Otherwise, it was always Sidney Jones and Razul Douglas and Avante Maddox in uh, 11 versus 11. Um, uh, I think maybe towards the end, Darby might have seen some action there. He's wearing a humongous knee brace. I don't know if yeah. that is uh, that was been uh, noted before, but it looks like he's moving pretty decently because of it. You can tell he's a little worried about lateral movement and things like that, but uh, something to keep an eye on moving forward. But also test our theory here, E, that Ronald Darby is going to start, and it's more than likely going to be over Sidney Jones if uh, if that happens. Yeah, and uh, I'll, I'll get your opinion on this, but I, I thought so Sidney has definitely had a really good training camp for sure. Like the first two weeks, he was very, very good. And am I wrong in thinking that in the, the preseason games, though, he hasn't been overly impressed? I remember one play against the Titans where a guy just lost him basically, and it was a 10- to 15-yard completion. Then against the Jaguars, I thought he was just okay. I mean, do you – do you agree with that assessment? Or Yeah, yeah. I th- especially when it came to uh, the Jags, it kind of seemed like he was a little lost out there. The Titans, not so much. Titans, I thought it, I thought everybody po- kind of played really well. But, yeah, la- last week it was it was pretty noticeable. So definitely mm-hmm. something – I mean, this is, this is going to be the real deal for week three to kind of test these things out. I don't think Dar- they're going to rush Darby by any means. I still don't think he's going to be ready by week one. Um, but, yeah, I would say that Sydney is, is kind of the – the guy that can be replaced right now uh, on this team just because of Mills and Darby and everybody else that we kind of keep waiting for health-wise to keep uh, you know, coming back on this team. Let here. me ask you this, too, before we move on to the offense. So in, in watching the defense today, because one of the main concerns I've had about this team is that the defense, because of all the injuries, and it's, again, it's not even really a shot at the defense. It's just saying they're, they're very banged up. One of the reasons this team could struggle out the gate is because of the injuries to defense, uh, on the defense. Now, uh, against going against Lamar Jackson, you know, how much do you think the defense today looked good because of the Ravens' offense, and how much do you think was just their defense? Uh, it's a tough one to answer because it's always like, well, it's they're 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 taking care of of what they're putting out there, so it's mainly just right. against the run. But I would say they're having a great day because the Ravens' offense looks very 
simplistic right now, and I don't even know if they're showing much of anything. It looked like they were just going through what they always go through in their, you know, in their normal normal setup of routines of what we've seen the Eagles do. It's like they lined up to do their first eleven drills against ghosts, and we're told. Hey, don't really touch anybody, but at the same time, once you got into red zone and stuff, I mean, the defensive line was absolutely blowing up the offensive line, um, mm-hmm. and I actually can't remember how good the Ravens' offensive line was. So, But I, I would say overall, just because of Trace McSorley and because of Lamar Jackson, uh, not not the sharpest for the Ravens' offense. But again, honestly, there was nobody to throw to either. No one. Like, it was just mm-hmm. it was a blanket coverage most of the time, and again, that's probably because of the talent at wide receiver, not necessarily because of. Uh, so, to answer your questions, the Ravens' offense looks bad. I guess. That's, that, <laughs> so, that's I think it's I actually uh, the flip side for the Eagles' offense going against the Ravens' defense. So, I think when when you look at Carson's day and what he did, uh, I'll give you his stats first, and then you know you can kind of react how you want. Okay. But fifteen out of thirty for one touchdown and one pass that should have been intercepted was thrown right to the cornerback but he just flat out dropped it yeah um, th- that sounds like a normal aggressive ravens ravens defense to yeah. me 15 for 30 so, and you know what's my big my biggest question is though is is carson still pushing the ball down the field or is he checking down in a lot of these scenarios well and that that's the thing so i think when you hear 15 of 30 you think oh that's not not great right 50 percent completion uh he also struggled in the red zone um i mean you mentioned you thought the ravens or something like one for 15 uh, Carson and the offense were one of one of nine in their nine snaps. They took inside the 20 um, and six incompletions. So they, they were not good in the red zone. Now, I think one of the reasons, though, that they weren't good today is just because I think the Ravens' defense is just really, really good. And, and now, obviously, it's an offensive league. You still want your offense to be able to move the ball, ball and score. But considering where they're at in training camp, wasn't a real game, um, I thought that the Ravens' defense deserved a lot of the credit as opposed to the Eagles' offense looking bad. Um, I thought Carson uh, did a great job pushing the ball down the field, and that's something that really stands out compared when you look at him compared to McCown, Kessler, and Thorson, and even Sudfeld when he was healthy. Carson throws the ball down the field. He's an aggressive quarterback. I would say of his 30 passes, I don't, maybe 18 to 20 were beyond 12 yards. Like he, that's good. he definitely does not check the ball down a ton. Um, one thing he continues to do is just stand in the pocket. Like he's not, he's not moving out of the pocket, uh, which is a noticeable difference from kind of how he plays. Um, so I think his accuracy today is kind of what it has been throughout camp, which is he made two or three throws that were amazing. He had one really long completion to Alshon. Uh, and this is how sensitive Carson defenders are sometimes. I tweeted that it was a great catch by Alshon, and everyone was like, well, I can't say it's a great throw by Carson. Like, it was a great <laughs> throw by Carson, and it was a great catch by Alshon. Like, sorry. Sorry, Twitter Every, world. Everybody's so, very, very sensitive. By the way, did you know you have a, a narrative that is just you just want the team to be 9-7 and seven now? Way to go, dude. Uh, well, the funniest part about that is it wasn't even my prediction. I was just saying they look more 9-7 and seven than, like, 12-4. and four, Yeah. But, yeah, it's fine. So, I mean, it's just you. And and you've said time and time again that Carson's going to be in the MVP circle. We might disagree on small details, but I just got to. I think it's hilarious that people think Elliot is trying to say that Wentz is not going to be good when clearly everything right. he said is the opposite of that. And he's just. I mean, really, yeah, I gave him. I gave him a B today. I thought that go considering who he was going against, going against what I think is going to be one of the best defenses in the league with a very deep secondary. Their secondary was very impressive. I thought he took shots down the field. I thought he made some tight throws. The only reason I didn't give him the A was 
Well, I guess two reasons. One, 15 to 30 is just not great. Not, you, know, you don't want to complete 50% of your passes. But the other thing is he had the chance twice to hit. I think one was Deshaun Jackson, and the other might have been Alshon. Like, Alshon and Deshaun got open um, one or two times, and Wentz just missed him. He just flat out overthrew Deshaun and overthrew Alshon. So that is the one thing that if you want to talk about maybe long-term problems or long-term things that Wentz needs to work on, his accuracy when he's just sitting in the pocket is not elite yet. He needs to work on it. And if he's going to be a pocket passer this year, which is how he's playing in training camp, that could potentially be an issue. So I, I thought that, you know, he had the chance to, to hit Deshaun and hit Alshon. And then he wasn't great in the red zone either. So uh, that's why I came out with a B. But again, playing against a very good defense. Yeah, and, and we know, especially with this secondary, this defense, and the same thing when – you know, it's the red zone, and honestly, the red zone is going to be a lot harder. <laughs> it just is. Yeah. Like it's it's a, it's easier than trying to you know move the ball down the field and when you have to throw a touchdown. And we all we all know that scenario. So I think because the yards don't matter. Yeah, that's why exactly yards don't matter. Uh, it is uh, that's important to note, though. I think that's all good things to hear. And if he was you know completely torching the Ravens secondary, and who knows, he might do that tomorrow. Uh, that's uh, that'll turn some heads as well. I couldn't really tell what was going on. I just heard a lot of hooting and hollering, and I figured it was Wentz. But actually, I guess Clayton Thorson had a pretty nice throw to the J.J. Ortega-Whiteside in the red zone, too. Is that what I heard or saw? Yeah, so Clayton, I mean, it's hard to watch every single player practice, but Clayton might be the most improved player in Eagles training camp over the last week and a half. He is just, he's looked considerably better. I mean, since his awful, awful outing against the Titans, he has played well. He was really good today. He had four throws inside the 20, and three of them went for touchdowns, including a pass to J.J. Arcega-Whiteside from about 18 yards out that he just lofted perfectly in the corner, and J.J. didn't even really have to go up and get it. It just kind of like landed in his hands uh, softly right in the corner of the end zone. So Clayton had a, a, a really good day, and it raises the question when you talk about roster construction, will the Eagles keep four quarterbacks? And huh crazy because early in camp we would have all said they're only going to keep two but at this point if Clayton continues to look good and let's say he goes out you know he, he was better against the Jags than he was the Titans let's say he comes out this Thursday and he's better against the Jets than he was against the Jags like the Eagles have to ask themselves are they willing to keep four quarterbacks on the roster or are they willing to expose Clayton Thorson to waivers because just from talking to people today like I don't know if he makes it through waivers. Wow, it's interesting. This thing keeps changing like week by week here. I, I know. Like I know. everybody, well, and, and based on performance, obviously they're going to be like, yeah, nobody's going to bother uh, bother with that. I would be, I would be very surprised if the Eagles keep four quarterbacks, though. Even though I understand where you're coming from. Uh, I well, just, let me let me talk you through okay. my scenario, and you tell me if you'd still be surprised. So, so basically, when you keep your 53 players, you have your your 46, uh, yeah, your 46 or seven players that dress on game day. And then outside of that, you're, you're keeping backups. But the bottom few spots are also for guys that they just want to keep to develop, like Jordan Mailata last year, potentially uh, Brett, Brett Toss this year. And so Clayton Thorson would fall into that category. What you could do is you could cut a guy like Orlando Skandrick, who I think probably makes it through waivers, and despite me pounding the table for him on the podcast, has not played that well in trading camp <laughs> over the last week or so. Uh, you, you could cut a guy like him, expect he'll go through waivers, Keep Clayton on your 53s. You keep four quarterbacks, and then you place Nate Sudfeld on IR, and then you you uh, you put Skandrick back uh, back on your roster with that spot. I just think 
there are ways to manipulate the roster where you can avoid putting Clayton through waivers and still kind of end up with right around the team you wanted to. I think that is, I mean, that's going to be incredibly difficult as the season moves on, though. You're you're at some point going to, early on, I think I get it, but Clayton's going to be have to be removed from the roster at some point. Like there's just too many there's too many things that could I think could happen at, at different positions. So I'd still be really, really interested to see if they keep four quarterbacks. But uh it, it comes down to whether you're willing to lose him. I mean, if you cut him, not only could another team pick him up, another, he could decide to sign elsewhere. I don't know if he would. I mean the yeah. Eagles are the best organization in the NFL to play for, in my opinion, and then also as a quarterback, right? Like I think this is a phenomenal place to be. But who knows? Maybe he's like, I've always wanted to live in San Francisco. Like, I have no idea. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, if you really like him, you use a fifth-round pick on him, there is there is risk in, in cutting him. There, there is risk. But, like, again, if, in, in, if we're just talking about that scenario in general, you've got, like, one of the best quarterback rooms in the league. And even if it's just Josh McCown for one year, like, you're going to learn from that guy doing what Carson does and not to mention, like, Doug Peterson and the rest of the coaching right. staff that's here. So, I, I'd be surprised if he went anywhere else. I'm I'm still okay with him going through waivers and taking that chance there too. I just I don't think it's you're missing out on anything. If you want to go and, and do that again, there's another fifth or sixth round draft pick that I'm sure will be welcome on your team that has the same kind of capability and tools and arm strength that are go around there. But it'll be uh, let's make it a sandwich bet because I don't I don't think Clayton is. I still think Clayton will, will easily go through waivers and he can be back uh, with the practice squad. Uh, moving forward. Well, as much as I love sandwiches and making bets, I don't know if I'm confident enough <laughs> that he will definitely get claimed. I'll make the bet out of fun, but yeah. I I just think there's a possibility. And again, quarterback, most valuable position in the league, fifth round pick is not super late. It's not yeah. early, obviously, but I, you know, look, when, when they drafted Clayton Thorson and in the best way possible, I don't mean this as an insult, when everything Howie says at the podium is mostly a lie yes. because it's his job to get up there and lie and protect information. But Howie did say he had multiple teams texting. I'm like, great pick. Can't believe that. Right. So I don't know. I just, I'll make the sandwich bet with you. I, I think there's, I think there's a decent chance that he, he will get claimed on waivers. Yeah. Okay. All right. I like it. I like it. We'll have to, uh, Let me, we'll can have... I ask you another question? Yep. We haven't, we haven't talked since the account signing. Please. Would you trade Nate Sudfeld, and what would you trade him for? Yes, day three, like early, okay. early, early day three, late day, like either like a somebody comes around with a third round pick, absolutely. You know, like I, I think that's that's a good enough time to kind of see where you know Nate has done and and not done for you. I think he. It really depends on what he's going to cost you next year. Is he going to make more than three million dollars? Then he's an asset worth keeping. Um, I'm. And, and I read all your stuff, and I think it's important to point out here, too, and reiterate, because maybe uh, not a lot of people listen to the Saturday show. Uh, they were doing this long before Sudfeld got injured. That should tell right. you a lot of things, you know, because that's what I always was waiting for is somebody that's actually going to, you know, compete for that number two job. And uh, correctly predicted, as I'm just, uh, there's not enough hands to pat myself on the shoulder here, that it would be Josh McCown uh, and... And I think that is that says a lot. And if and just like you said, this has always been in the back of my mind. How he's a great uh, salesperson and a great liar at the podium, and how they've tracked Nate's career so far. It says we want him here for the long term. This is a guy that we love, which can also be true as well. But there also has flags in there saying 
and if for the right price, maybe you should ask for them. You know, and yeah. and these, are, I think this is another signal towards that. So I think overall, the Eagles' motto this year, kind of mindset, is we want players over picks. We want this roster to be as deep as possible, and we don't care if that means forfeiting like a six-round pick. But so you mentioned a third-round pick. I don't think there's any way you'd get an offer of a third-round pick for Sudfeld. But but if you did, I would trade him. But the other thing to look at is so let's say they keep him throughout the year. He's either on the roster as a, a healthy scratch or he's inactive on Sundays or something, however you want to do it. it, it when, if he next year is a free agent and leaves, you basically say to yourself this, am I willing to trade him right now for more than what we think we'll, we would get in a compensatory pick? And I just don't think that an extra six-round pick or fifth-round pick is worth not having Sudfeld on the roster because, you know, obviously we talked about Wednesday today and how he looked. And I know it's only McCown's second practice and really only first practice in basically eight months, but I didn't think McCown looked that great today. I think he, when he throws the ball, uh, he looks like a 40-year-old throwing the ball. Like, <laughs> he has Sam Bradford sleeves. I mean, the guy, like, I just wasn't impressed with his deep ball, I guess, is the best well, way to Well, here's the thing, here, so, here, here's the thing to, to note, and I'm not saying, and like, we, we know he didn't have the greatest deep ball in the world to begin with, but I will tell you, as a 40-year-old, as a person that's closer to 40 than you are, uh, it does take a lot of time to warm that puppy up. So <laughs> it's gonna need. It's probably gonna need more than one practice before you fully get it. But yes, right. Nate. Nate definitely has a better deep ball. It's no doubt about it. Yeah, I mean, look, I think Nate McCown brings two things. He brings experience, and he and as part of that experience, he brings like a very good football mind. Like he was the second team quarterback today, and he was already changing the call at the line of scrimmage. So that's just impressive good. to be here two days, and he's already picking up the offense. But Nate, at this point, is a more talented quarterback. Like, Nate throws a stronger ball. He throws a better deep ball. or more mobile. He's taller. Like, all those things. So, I think that if you're going to go forward with McCown as your backup, I think there's value in having Sudfeld as then potentially basically your number three, and then he would be your number two. In, and, like, don't get me wrong. The dude's got great hair. He had on Jordans. Like, I am all in on McCown in a lot of ways. But... Sudfeld is a better player at this point. So I think getting a fifth or sixth round pick for Sudfeld, even though he probably walks at the end of this year, I don't know if I would do that. Uh, I will guarantee you Elliot changes his mind tomorrow. That's my bet. Because well, this the is, best minds are open to changing them, Scott, So it's, <laughs> it's very true. possible. It is very true. It's we're yeah. just observing. And this is this is you can't I I can't uh, you know, tell your uh, eyes to lie to you and then have something different come out of your mouth. I'm just saying, I think I, I feel the predictions coming on. This is what I said on Saturday, too, is that there's at least three scribes that are going to go, wow, now I understand why McCown's in this <laughs> in this place. Right, yeah, it's, early, it's early for McCown. But I, I would also I, say you have to skew the same way that you did with Wentz, and the first team that he faces in training camp is one of the best defenses in football at, you know, 95%. So there's yeah, yeah, he just doesn't look great when he throws the ball. That's really all I can say. And as, as you <laughs> as you mentioned, forty has got to warm it up. All that stuff. Yeah. Just watching him throw it today though is not overly impressive. Not just in team drills, just in general. Yeah, and uh, and you and that should be. I, I wouldn't disagree with you on that. I mean, that's probably something that's to be kind of expected uh, coming throughout here. And uh, and like you said, Jordan's hair. He's got a lot going for him. So yeah. I, what I do think is funny is like that there's, if there are any, is there anybody still out there that doesn't think this is related to Nate Sudfeld, his growth, what they expect out of him now that he's going to miss the entire preseason. You gotta be kidding yourself. You know I mean? Yeah, this is silly. Yeah. This is, this is, uh, 
who knows? I, I don't know. Maybe there's a maybe there's a midseason competition after a while, and and uh, I think Doug's going to string us along for every single week. And I was uh, <laughs> I was thinking about this earlier when like you know saying like well, what do I think is going to happen at backup? Like will McCown do well? Like after Nick Foles won the Super Bowl, I think we can all just say we have no idea what's going to happen at backup quarterback. Yeah, like, we have nothing. Like yeah. Nate Sunfield could win the Super Bowl this year. Like that could yeah, happen. Sure. I think Nate's talented. He gets in. The team gets hot. Like who knows, right? So. I just think at this point they feel more comfortable with McCown because of his experience back there. Yeah, so, uh, and so do I. And uh, should be pretty interesting uh, camp moving on. Didn't want to get out of here without mentioning the uh, the heat definitely got to some of these guys today. And uh, Nate uh, Herberg was – or Herbig? I always forget how to pronounce his name. Do you remember the offensive guard? I, I think it's Nate Herbig, isn't it? Yeah, I think Herbig. Uh, went down first. And that was after a couple like one-on-one drills. Andre Dillard then followed him. These uh, these guys have been out there for about forty-five minutes to an hour, wouldn't you say? Uh, once they started coming in, um, yeah. I mean, Richard Rogers got injured. Like his didn't have to do with hydration. No. I don't think so. I mean, he he was visibly upset when he went down. It looked like maybe a left leg injury. I don't think it was a knee, but uh, he was carted in and. I don't know. My expectation is not not good on that, just based off of seeing it. Yeah, and he had his he had a, you know his the towel over his head and looking down yeah. too when you know he was coming into the locker room, uh, and then Zach Brown also kind of probably got in there and was guilty of some some cramps and things like that. So it was it was a brutally hot day today. I'm actually surprised that like they start at one thirty. I have no idea why. That's probably more to cater to the Ravens season, uh, yeah, yeah, obviously than anybody else. So um, it was. It was really, really hot out there. So everybody drink a lot of more water, uh, get some IVs, get some Gatorade. We'll all see you tomorrow, especially you, man. I'm I'm disappointed. You know, like this is I, I figured by now you're in you're in shape for uh, for with withstanding all the heat and stuff. I know. I, I thought I would be, too. And I, I feel good out there. And I and I will say, I think I sweat considerably less than the other beat writers. But you know what? <laughs> like tomorrow's a new day. So we'll see what happens. There was the, there was definitely somebody that changed shirts twice. Uh, and I always forget who it, who it is or what his name is, but, uh, yeah, so it's, it's pretty brutal out there. I, I stayed relatively dry. I'm proud of myself. I only took one under, uh, you know, and, uh, gotta, gotta get, uh, get in the shade during special teams drills. I think that's the key throughout it. So, uh, plenty more to get into. I would assume tomorrow is going to be a really intense practice. Uh, or maybe not. I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's Tuesday. They have a day off on Wednesday. Yeah. Tomorrow's probably going to be a lot more of the same. Weren't you thinking? Yeah, especially because they're probably not going to play any of the, the starters on Thursday. I would think uh, tomorrow would be just as just as intense. Yeah. So uh, again, at Elliott Shore Park, at John Barchard, somebody will be watching offense. Somebody will be watching defense, and uh, we will uh, have as uh, as many takes as possible for you tomorrow as well. At the Go Birds Pod, we've made it to one hundred. Hopefully, we can make it to two hundred and a lot more. Right here, Radio dot com and Sports Radio ninety four WIP. Go Birds.